In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let us pray. Most merciful God, as the people of Jerusalem with palms in their hands gathered to greet your dearly beloved Son when he came into his holy city, grant that we may ever hail him as our King, and when he comes again, may go forth to meet him with trusting and steadfast hearts, and follow him in the way that leads to eternal life. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Let us go forth in peace. In the name of the Lord.
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the Son of David. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you sent your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross. Mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his great humility and patience and be made partakers of his resurrection. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first lesson for Palm Sunday is written in the book of the prophet Zechariah, chapter 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I, will announce, I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. The second lesson is written in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 27th chapter. Glory be to you, O Lord. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, 
Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. When Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, Let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Please stand. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads, and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over the land, all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, 
Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him, who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ.
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Today we prayed that we might follow Jesus in his humility. And we heard in our second lesson, St. Paul teach us that we should. He said, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. But we should be as humble and as patient as Jesus. On the one hand, we might simply take that for granted or, or consider it patently obvious that we should be like, like Jesus, for we are Christians. On the other hand, might be the obvious fact that we are not, will not, cannot be like Jesus. We are not God, for one, and we are not the Savior of the world. Still, still we pray to follow Jesus also in this. And it should be our greatest desire to be like Jesus in this, in his humility. St. Paul writes to the Philippians, our epistle lesson, about the nature of Christ's humility and his humiliation. One, we find in his humiliation in that he did not insist on everything that belonged to him as God. For Jesus is the true and eternal God with all of his power and right. And yet we read Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Though he was and remained a true God, he does not cling to all the rights, all the powers that belong to God when he comes down from his heavenly throne and takes our human form and flesh. And on Palm Sunday, we see it clearly. Behold, your king comes to you. He always is, always has been king, but he does not insist on royal garb or custom. He does not enter, he does not ride in on a war horse accompanied by army of soldiers. Instead, he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey accompanied by fishermen. There is, as the prophet Isaiah says, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. But he comes and takes the lowest place, the place of a servant in our midst. Jesus became humility, was hum, hum, humbled in that he did not Consider equality with God, something to grasp, number one. Two, by becoming obedient to death. He did that first by taking on mortal flesh. If you've ever needed proof that Jesus was true human being, this week should solve that. For you see him die. But it doesn't start with Holy Week. It doesn't start with Good Friday. You can go back all the way to Christmas 
to find that from the very start, from his conception and birth, he was born so that he could die. But secondly, he was humbled when he willingly obeyed when death came calling. There was no fight against it, no courageous battle against death, neither did he run from it, only to finally get beaten, overtaken by it. We wish to follow Jesus in his humility. But that's hard for us. Because it seems to be our very nature to insist on our rights. We might not insist on equality with God, knowing that we are not God, but certainly equality with men is a must. And it's a right for which we will fight. No one, we think, should ever be above us, better than us, richer than us, smarter than us. In fact, our general tendency is probably that we should be treated better than at least most others. Equality at the very least. We are not equal to God. But ever since the Garden of Eden, we've dreamed of being like God. And in many ways in our modern world, thanks to technology and medicine, we feel like perhaps, perhaps we've done it so that we can take for granted all kinds of things that we can do now that in previous eras they would have thought only God could do. And just as one case in point, we feel less obedient to death because we have the means to fight it or at least outrun it for a while until it catches up with us. And if we have to die, which we'll only reluctantly admit, if we have to die, it most certainly would not be on a cross. In a, or really, in any painful way that in any way resembles the death of Jesus. And so it's worth asking ourselves whether we really want to follow Jesus in his humility or not. We should, St. Paul says. But why? And how? Well, as it turns out, Jesus' humility is also his glory. By his incarnation, by his coming in human flesh, by his suffering, by his dying, by even submitting to the most painful and humiliating death on a cross, he was given a name, St. Paul says. It's a name that was actually given to him before his birth, showing that his whole life from beginning to end had one single mission. He was to be one thing and one thing only, he was given the name Jesus. The name Jesus means he saves. Jesus was saving when he was born and laid in a manger. 
He was saving when he was circumcised and named on the eighth day. He was saving when he taught and he touched and healed and prayed. So that when we get to Holy Week, when we get to Palm Sunday, when Jesus rode in on a donkey and the crowds shouted to him, Hosanna to the Son of David, they said, Hosanna. It's like they were calling out his name, see? The word Hosanna means save now. It, it uses the same Hebrew root as the name for Jesus. He saves. They're calling him to do what his name means. And when he bled and bowed his head and became obedient to death, he was being your Jesus, your Savior. Saving not himself for sure. Saving not the humble one. But purposefully saving the ones who are not. Saving the ones who insist on their rights and prerogatives. Saving those who try to rule over others, try to rule over even aspects of life and death. Saving the ones who need to make something of themselves, the proud, the sinners. Jesus, by his humility, saves you. The servant serves you. His dying rescues you and gives you life. And therefore, at his name, at the name of Jesus, at the, the mere mention of his name and his word and his work that he has done on your behalf, St. Paul says you should bow the knee. His humility is his glory because it saves you. But now his saving glory, that's your humility. Faith in his humiliation, suffering, and death causes us to fall on our knees in humble reverence. Not like conquered subjects who have no choice but to kneel, but rather having won our hearts to him. By his love, by his mercy, we can't help but bend the knee. Bow our heads. Come before him in love and humility and even even if for no other reason, for at least this one reason, this one, we would be willing to face death. There's an old custom in the church that's gone by the wayside, I think. An old custom in the church to, to bow one's head every time the name of Jesus is spoken. As St. Paul says, we should probably get down on our knees at the name of Jesus. But maybe the bow of the head would be a start. A way for us to let our bodies teach our hearts. To fall down before the one who came down for us. 
So we do not, we cannot become more like Jesus in, in any way just by, by trying harder to imitate him. We simply don't have what it takes. We won't follow him that way. Only when we see him, when we have our eyes fixed on him and on, on his passion, Jesus makes us to be his followers. He serves us. He dies for us that we might believe in him and follow him. At no time in the year do we get to see that more clearly than this week. We have the opportunity in the upcoming days in an event or a service that that spans multiple days to see us before us the whole of Jesus' saving work. To see before our eyes the very reason that he is called Jesus. But it's more than that. Through his name, that is, through the proclamation of his saving work, we, in fact, get to be more than followers. We become participants. We, after all, have been baptized into his death. And therefore, we have been made partakers of his resurrection. And we are privileged to partake in our body, in his crucified and risen flesh and blood. In other words, by his name, by hearing the proclamation of his work, by hearing his passion read again, by hearing the glorious account of his resurrection from the dead, Jesus of Nazareth, the crucified one, the king of the Jews, becomes our Jesus. And we delight to follow in humility. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join now in confessing the Christian faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father,
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house and for all who in faith, piety, and love come to receive his gifts and praise his name, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That the church, that the Lord would uphold this world in his order, for the church, that she would be defended from all enemies, for our homes, that the Lord would bless parents and children in service toward each other and faith until life's end, and for the government, that God would grant all authorities health and wisdom, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our catechumens, that they may grow in repentance, faith, and holy living, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and sorrowful, for those who mourn, and for all who stand in need of our prayers, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who commune this day, that they would receive our Lord Jesus Christ's body and blood in repentance and faith for the forgiveness of sins and in the unity of a true confession, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us, for to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who accomplished the salvation of mankind by the tree of the cross, that where death arose, their life also might rise again, and that the serpent who overcame by the tree of the garden might likewise by the tree of the cross be overcome. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. Jesus Christ, through you all things were created, and through you all things have their purpose. You judged the world through water, but saved believing Noah and the church with the same righteous flood. With water you rescued Israel from slavery, destroying her enemy in the Red Sea, and led her through the Jordan River into the Promised Land. You spoke through the prophets, ruled through the kings, and mediated through the priests on behalf of your people, 
until it was time for your blessed passion, the sacrifice of the true Lamb of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus Christ, you did not turn away from the stroke of justice we deserved but absorbed its blow only to rise three days later. As you promised your apostles, so comfort us with the knowledge that you have ascended into heaven to prepare eternal bliss for us and rule all things in our favor, that we may carry out your Pentecost command to preach the gospel to all nations. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us with, through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.